What is going on, everybody? It is divisional round weekend here in Foxborough, and your New England Patriots are just about to tee off on the back nine. The front nine was a fantastic performance, so let's tee off on the back nine, and let's try to finish under par here down in nice, warm Florida. Make sure that nice drive stroke is nice and straight on the fairway, maybe 250, 300 yards right down the seam, and then maybe a chip or two to get on the green, depending if it's a par three or four, and then we're only going to one-putt it. We're, no, we're not a two-putter. We're not a three-putter. We're only a one-putt team. Come on. We've been down here for a week. We've been golfing every day. We should not be, you know, two-putting and three-putting. We shouldn't be slicing it off the tee into the, over to the next hole. What are we doing? We've been here for a week. We should have this golf course memorized by now. That's how much golf we're doing. Hopefully you enjoyed that. That was, that was actually really fun. That was really off the top of my head, to be honest. I wanted to make a pun about the Patriots being eliminated and not playing in the divisional round. And that's kind of what I came up with. So hopefully you, uh, I thought that was really funny. I know, I'm so corny. But welcome back to episode number 123, yes, 123, of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And thank you so much for clicking on this video if you're listening to this on YouTube. And thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying if you're listening on audio-only platforms. Oh my goodness, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, actually, yeah, we kind of do have a lot to talk about today. We will talk about the Bruins. I promise you we're going to talk about the Bruins. Their last 10 games cannot be ignored. I think since January, since the new year, they're 9-2, and two, I believe uh, the stat on ESPN was, after they beat the Washington Capitals. What a crazy game that was last night. But holy smokes, before we jump into that, before we jump into that, we do have to talk about the NFL playoffs. There is so much on the line for all eight remaining teams there really is and we're going to dive into each matchup this and that and see if we can predict some winners because me personally me personally my bracket was perfect exiting wildcard weekend with the exception of one with the exception of one guess which one i lost on yep new england patriots yep our our New England Patriots were the only team that I fumbled the bag on, thinking that they could go into Buffalo and at least give us a good game, a puncher's chance to be competitive, let alone win. Oh my God, that was a disaster. But hopefully you guys had a fantastic week leading up to today's episode. The cold has been bitter, it has been freezing, and I absolutely don't like it. As you guys know, if you listened last year during the podcast's infancy, you would know how much I hate the cold. You know how much I hate the cold. Even, you know, if you're a more recent listener, as the weather turned from summer to fall, fall to winter. Oh, I hate it so much. But what day was it? It was like Monday or Wednesday, and it felt like spring. It was like warm. It was like only 45 degrees outside, but it like felt warm. It was very, very odd. But yes, thank you for everyone for coming out to trade night last night. If you did go, I really appreciate the absolute stellar success that it was last night there was so many familiar faces and there was so many new faces here at trade night last night which honestly means the world 
to be able to bring people from the sports card community together, whether you know somebody or you don't know somebody, and then leave with knowing them and have that relationship, have that connection, have that shared hobby interest means a lot to me. And to be able to host such an event here at my shop and to have those experiences and those memories made here at the shop, very, very meaningful, impactful, and it's something I will never forget. This past trade night was by far the best trade night. I feel like the most, there was so many deals made. I feel like that there was just a ton, a ton of relationships made in terms of being able to see someone at a card show and be like, oh, I remember you from, you know, Murph's trade night. Oh, you know, I remember you from the, the trade night at Murph's, right? Yeah, we made that deal. Stuff like that. And having two people who go to trade night having no idea about each other, making a deal or two or maybe a bunch of deals, who knows, leaving, maybe they shared some, you know, social media or a number or whatever to make further deals outside of trade night and then see each other maybe at a card show or back here at the shop or on social media. Like, hey, we met at Murph's, right, for trade night? Yeah, yeah, you're the guy with the you know, insert card here. Yeah, that's right. I gave you insert card here. So having that being made here at my shop is very, very impactful and meaningful to me. Not to, be, uh, not to show soft side of me, but having milestones here at the shop. Very, very important. Very, very meaningful and something I always need to reflect on. I've reflected on milestones here at the podcast a million and one times. So give me, give me a break. All right, give me, give me a break. So expected trade night vlog will be released on Sunday, the 23rd. I'm going to, after I'm done recording and editing this podcast, episode number one, two, three, I'm going to dive into editing that vlog. So be on the lookout for that in just a couple of days. But let's dive into the NFL divisional round. We have our first game of the weekend, and that is between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Damn, the Bengals get the short end of the stick having to play the first game of uh, playoff weekend. That sucks for them. Anyways, Bengals, Titans. This might be one of the toughest choices, honestly, to make all weekend. I truly, truly, truly believe it's a toss-up. I truly believe it's a toss-up. Yes, the Titans kind of crawled to the number one seed. Are they healthy now? Yes. Is Derrick Henry rusty? Yes. What is he going to look like? We don't know. The Bengals' offense is prolific. They are explosive. They are what the Chiefs were a couple of seasons ago. They have a young stud quarterback. Their defense is okay. I've been saying this for time and time and time again. I think they're a year too early. However, this game being in Tennessee obviously will favor the Titans. A lot of people are picking them because King Henry's coming back, because the Bengals don't have that playoff experience. But the Titans don't have a lot of playoff experience either. Yeah, they made it to the playoffs last year. Yeah, they made it to the playoffs the year before beating the Patriots, and I think they got to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, they have a good, a great head coach in Mike Vrabel. But let's not forget how hot the Bengals are. You know... They played against a extremely hot Las Vegas Raiders team who won four in a row to get into the playoffs, and they were able to beat them. So I don't think the Titans, being the number one seed, being favored in this matchup, is just going to walk away with it. 
No way. I expect this to be a really good game. I expect to be run heavy because they're going to want to get Derrick Henry going for the Titans. It's going to be run heavy, play action heavy. And if Derrick Henry gets stopped or the rust is too much or, you know, say this was like a you know week 18 game where he's able to get his legs under him and then the next week he's going to be able to pop off. Like if the Titans advance and it's not because of Derrick Henry, then next week Derrick Henry is going to absolutely explode. See what I'm saying? So the Bengals, I feel the Bengals can contain Derrick Henry, make him still wear that rust, force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball a lot. I truly believe that the Bengals will be able to slow down, if not completely halt the Titans offense. Yes, A.J. Brown's back. Yes, Julio Jones is back. But still, I think that the Bengals can keep up with those guys with their own offense. Like I mentioned, that Bengals offense is explosive. And can the Titans slow down the Bengals offense? I like the the Titans defense a lot. I think they do a lot of great things, whether it's, you know, blitzing or dropping into disguise, showing cover two, but it's actually, you know, cover three, whatever. You know, Mike Vrabel is a defensive wizard. He's a, he's a defensive mind. Clearly, he played linebacker for a long, long time. He knows how to draw things up. He knows how to scheme things up. But with that being said, do the Titans have the personnel to slow down the Bengals? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I think they have great coverage guys to slow down A. Jamar Chase or A. T. Higgins, A. Tyler Boyd, A. Joe Mixon, A. C.J. Uzama. But do they have the personnel to slow all of them down? That's, that's a problem for really any team, not just the Titans. So with this game being the first one, it's going to be a really, really interesting game. I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting about this game because there's so many other big matchups. You know, the 49ers versus the Packers, Rodgers' legacy in Green Bay. You got the Rams and Stafford trading every draft pick they have to get the current team they have now versus the defending champions, dinged up uh, Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buffalo Bills, who just railed the Patriots, and the Kansas City Chiefs, two-time defending AFC champion. There's just so much riding for these other teams. You know, Buffalo Bills, this is supposed to be their year. Will the Chiefs prevent that again? Or will the Bills finally be able to dethrone the Chiefs? But the Bengals-Titans, people are just kind of meh. (laughs) People are just meh about the game. So who do I think is going to win this game? Well, on my bracket, I originally had the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Tennessee Titans. No, actually, originally, because I had the Patriots winning, so the Patriots would have been playing the Titans. I had the Bengals beating the Bills. I'm sorry, I had the Bengals beating the Chiefs. Excuse me. So, with my bracket clearly not perfect anymore, I'm going to pick the Bengals to beat the Titans still. I think that the Bengals can get to a hot start, and I think that offense will be able to just thrive. Whether or not Derrick Henry is performing at 100%, I think what you can get from Joe Mixon and CJ Uzama is really going to be able to offset your three wide receivers. I don't think the Titans are going to be able to cover everybody. Can they slow down one or two? Sure. Everybody, though? Plus, you got Joe Burrow being able to roll out, extend plays, make plays, whether it run, scramble, alongside him being able to throw the ball. And if it comes down to it, 
Whose offense do I trust more? It's the Bengals' offense. If I need a 75-yard march down the field with two and a half, three minutes to go, I trust the Bengals' offense more to do it than I do with the Tennessee Titans. Not that that's the only reason. It's just a lot of people don't believe in the Titans. They crawl to them one seed. Yes, they were dinged up for the second half of the season. Yes, they are healthy now. But again, the Bengals, they're young, they're energized, they're healthy, they've been healthy. The Titans are now just getting healthy. There's going to be some rust. How is that product going to look? Yes, they had the bye week to rest. Does that serve them in their favor? Of course. But like I mentioned with Derrick Henry, if he played in, say, week 18, let that be the get the rust off me kind of a game and then say they had to play a wild card game, then that's the game he would have absolutely popped off on. I see that being this game here where Derrick Henry's going to have to get some rust off. The Titans offense may look a little, you know, a little off because they haven't had Derrick Henry for so long. And then if they do advance, that AFC championship game is where I can see them absolutely feeding the ball 30 times and running for 200 yards. So I'm picking the Bengals to win in advance to the AFC championship game. 49ers, Packers. Very, very intriguing matchup. I like both sides. I do, I'm just going to get off my chest. I do believe the Packers will win. There's way too much riding on the line for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, electric offense all season long. Their defense, tremendously good defense as well. Will the 49ers be able to stop Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron Jones? Well, Fred Warner's dinged up. We don't know what his his state's going to be, his health state's going to be. Uh, Nick Bosa's dinged up. We don't know what his health state's going to be. And those are two best defensive players right there. If those two aren't playing, it's a wash. It's over. Now, I haven't heard any uh, reports about them, whether they're going to play or the severity of their injury. But if they don't play, it's over. If one plays, I still don't, I still think it's going to be over the Packers just have way too much similar to what the Bengals have except the Packers are way more seasoned they got weapons they got skill they got talent they got the quarterback they got wide receivers or they have a wide receiver they got a running back plus the Packers are home they've had a week to rest and they were clicking on all cylinders all throughout the season the 49ers been up and down but they've been clicking towards the end of the season but like I said being in Green Bay plus some injuries plus the uphill battle that is the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to favor the Packers in this one. The next divisional round game between the Rams and the Buccaneers. This one's a very, very, very intriguing one. Rams, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, sold the future for their current team. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, who they paid a bag to. You have Vaughn Miller, Matthew Stafford. Odell Beckham Jr., although you got him for cheap, but still. Ton of talent on that team. Tons of talent on that team. Are they healthy? No. Obviously, they're missing Robert Woods. They're missing some safeties. What's the health of their safeties going to be going into this game? That's up in the air for sure. But the Bucks are also dinged up. The Bucks are missing running backs. They're missing wide receivers, offensive linemen. You know, they missed uh, Levante David last week. It's going to be hectic. It's absolutely going to be a hectic game on both sides of the ball for both teams, whether it's offensively for the Rams and defensively for the Bucks, or offensively for the Bucks and defensively for the Rams. Yes, this game helps that the Buccaneers are home and they don't have to travel. However, being a Florida team, 
And the Rams are, you know, like I guess they're technically uh, indoor. No, actually, technically that stadium is outdoor. They have a roof, but there's tons of uh, like outside air access. So technically it's an outside stadium. So, but it's not like the Buccaneers are an inclement weather team. It's not like it's New York or Green Bay or Foxborough, for instance, or Kansas City even. So the Rams having to go to a warm weather stadium, it's not really a insignificant impact for the Rams. If anything, they get a nice little tan on instead. So I like I like both teams here. I really do. Can I see the Bucks winning? Of course. They have Tom Brady. They have Mike Evans, Gronkowski. Still have a fairly good defense. Offensive line, if healthy, one of the best offensive lines in the league. Can the Rams win? Yeah, of course they could win. Matthew Stafford's on fire right now. You know, Cam Akers is back. They got you know, Sony Michelle running very, very well for them. Cooper Cup, the best wide receiver this year, clearly. Odell Beckham Jr. has clearly turned it on ever since leaving Cleveland. He's looking like the prime OBJ we thought or that we did see in New York, what we thought we were going to get in Cleveland. It's just fantastic to see him performing so well into his true potential. I've said this a thousand of times. Odell Beckham Jr. has the skill set to be a top five wide receiver, a top three wide receiver. Doesn't mean he is. There's a big difference between me saying he is one or he has the skill set to be one. I mean, Devontae Adams, he has the skill set to be a top three wide receiver, and he is a top three wide receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. has the skill set to be one, but he isn't one. There's a big difference there. Like Stefan Diggs, you could say the same thing. Skill set. But he's not one. He's probably, you know, top five, top six. You know, Tyreek Hill, skill set. Is he one? Well, that's for discussion. So the Rams secondary is obviously dinged up. They got Ramsey, but their safeties are all dinged up. They had to bring back Eric Weddle from two-year retirement to play. I really like what both teams have been doing. The Bucks are just crawling. But if they can crawl past this game, get to the championship game, that could give them another week's rest to get their dinged-up players back from injury to be healthy for a potential NFC Championship game. This game, go either way. It can go either way. I don't think it's a true toss-up. I still think that it favors the Bucks a little bit. But the Rams have so much riding for them. You know, they traded two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. They traded, like, two second-round picks for Vaughn Miller. They gave Aaron Donald the bag. They traded two first-round picks a couple years ago for Jalen Ramsey. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. They traded for Sony Michelle. I'm trying to think of all the other moves that they made. I think that's all the significant moves that they made. But you see the point. They tr- I just rattled off eight draft picks. They just traded <laughs> to bring in talent, to bring in these guys. So the Rams are clearly in win-now mode. Clearly in win-now mode. Buccaneers are also in win-now mode. Obviously, they have Tom Brady, who's 44 years old, playing at one of the best levels of football he's played maybe in his whole career. Obviously, you can look at the 2007 season, the 2011, 17 season, and be like, oh, those are his best years. Sure. But this is right up there with it. This year for Tom Brady and how he's been able to play. It's right up there with it. So at the end of the day... I think I'm going to pick the Buccaneers to win. I think it's going to be a grudge match. It's not going to be a blowout like the Bucks had against the Eagles. 
The Rams are really going to have to fight, and they can win. The Rams can win this game. I mean, the Rams beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what was it, week three of the regular season? So the Rams have been able to do it. But at that time, the Rams were a completely different team. The Bucks were a completely different team. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this game plays out. And I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, because everyone here in New England with the Patriots out of the playoffs are now Buccaneers fans. So, go Bucks. And then the last divisional round game is between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of things are similar in this matchup to the Rams-Buccaneers matchup. But both teams are healthy. Bills have a lot riding on the line. Chiefs have a lot riding on the line. Chiefs obviously trying to defend the AFC, similar to the Buccaneers defending the NFC. The Bills are trying to bud them out, similar to the Rams trying to bud the Buccaneers out. The Bills' window to win is now. And ever since Brady left New England, it was Buffalo Bills' chance to win the AFC East, the AFC, and a Super Bowl. They had a fairly easy road to the playoffs last year, going through the AFC East and the 7-9 Patriots that we saw. And the Bills got a scare from the Patriots this year. They were in disbelief that their win-now win window was only one year, which was last year. Granted, they you know won two out of three against the Patriots to kind of prove that, hey, you know, it's it's our it's our time now. It's still our time. You know, we just started. We're not going to give it up that easily. Next year, going to be a completely different story between the Bills and the Patriots, but it seems like a little rivalry between the two are back, which is good. Need that. Need a rivalry within the division. A true rivalry between two good teams. But the Chiefs. Can the Chiefs defend home field? Can they defend the AFC, which they've won two years in a row. Can they make it to a fourth straight AFC title game? Remember, they got to the AFC title game against the Patriots. They lost. They won the Super Bowl the year after. They lost the Super Bowl last year. Can the Bills, who lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game last year, beat them in Arrowhead this year? I don't know. Can the Chiefs defend Everything I just said against the Bills this year. I don't know. If the Chiefs, I'm sorry, if the Bills can slow down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, it's over. It's over. Because they can't run the ball. Their wide receiver weapons outside, or I should say their receiving weapons outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are okay. They're good. They're okay, though. Their defense is meh. I know the Bills can't really run the ball either, but at least they have Josh Allen, who is, what, 6'5", 240, and is fast and can actually scramble and pick up some decent yards with some good speed on his legs. I kind of like the Bills here. I'm not going to lie. If this game was in Buffalo, completely different. I would feel very, very good picking the Bills to win this game if this was in Buffalo. Seeing where it's in Arrowhead... I still I still don't know if I can just pick the Chiefs to win this game. They have no run game. Their defense sucks. And if the Bills can even just lock up one Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, 
I, I like Buffalo's chances because they have Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis, and Isaiah McKenzie. Five good weapons right there. Or five, at least, well, three of them. are. Oh, plus you got Dawson Knox. Can't forget about him. So that's six receiving options right there Josh Allen has. Plus he can roll out, extend plays. I mean, look what he did against the Patriots. He rolled all the way to the far right sideline and he went to go throw it away. He even said he went to go throw it through the back of the end zone. But there goes Dawson Knox jumping up, catching it, and coming down for a touchdown. That's obviously stuff that Patrick Mahomes can do as well. But Patrick Mahomes isn't fast. He doesn't want to scramble to pick up yards with his legs, but he can scramble to extend the plays. And I think that's where the kind of the differences between the quarterbacks are currently at. Now, obviously, Mahomes is better than Allen, but I don't think it's by much. I think the only difference is MVP and a Super Bowl for Patrick Mahomes. I think that's really the only true difference between the two right now. Obviously, you could look at you know arm strength. I think they both have very, very similar arm strength. I think, you know, Josh Allen might have better arm strength, to be honest. Patrick Mahomes is clearly more accurate. Who has the better IQ? Who has the better awareness? Who has, I don't know, <laughs> who has, I don't know, the better break sack ability? I actually probably say Allen has that. But you see my point? I don't think the discrepancy between Allen and Patrick Mahomes with the exception of an MVP and a Super Bowl, is all too far apart. I like both teams in this game. Pains me to say this, but I'm going to pick the Bills to win this game. Yes, shocker. <gasps> no way! Really? Yes, really. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I just... The Bills actually have a defense. They have a really damn good defense. I don't know where they finished, but I know they were number one for a long time. Chiefs don't have a defense, okay? The Bills don't have running backs, but they have a running game, and that's Josh Allen. The Chiefs don't have a running game, let alone a running back. Do the Chiefs have better top-tier receiving options in Hill and Kelsey? Sure. But overall, the options that Allen has to throw to are better in Diggs. Beasley, Sanders, McKenzie, Davis, Knox. If you want to give it to Moss and Singletary out of the backfield, sure. It's also going to come down to coaching. Who can coach better? Sean McDermott, Andy Reid. Obviously, Andy Reid has been able to prove it. He can win a Super Bowl. He can coach an offense. Can he coach a defense? We don't know. Can Sean McDermott go to Arrowhead, be under pressure, come up with the right ingredients to beat the Chiefs in a close game. I don't know. A lot is riding on for both teams. Chiefs win now window. Doesn't want to close. I wanted to close. I'm sick and tired of the Chiefs. Everyone bandwagons the Chiefs. Oh, I'm sick of it. So I'm picking the Bills to win this game for the reasons I said. So to wrap up, or to recap, I should say, my prediction for the NFL Divisional Round, I have the Bengals beating the Titans... The Packers beating the 49ers, the Buccaneers beating the Rams, and the Bills beating the Chiefs. Now, do I think the Titans, 49ers, Rams, and Chiefs can win? Of course. Of course. But the winners I have is just my prediction. I want to hear your prediction, though. 
reach out to me via social media or leave your thoughts and your predictions down in the comment section below if you're watching on YouTube. I would love to read what you have to say. So with our football discussion out of the way, obviously we'll recap the divisional round on Monday, give a quick brief look to the championship round, to whatever the matchup is. But as we conclude our football discussion for today's episode, let's take a skate. Now, that, that makes no sense. I was going to try to have a quirky transition line. Like, let's skate on to hockey. Eh, I guess that kind of works. Anyways, let's talk about the Bruins. We haven't talked about the Bruins in a long time. I know. it's It's been a lot of football the past couple weeks. I know. I'm sorry. A lot of people want me to talk about the Bruins. I'm going to talk about the Bruins. I will. Here we are. <laughs> since the new year, since 2022 started, the Bruins have lost two games. They are 9-2. and two. Let me... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 2. Correct, yes. Their only losses are to the Minnesota Wild at home where they lost 3-2 to two on January 6th and against the Hurricanes the other day where they lost 7-1 also at home. Other than that, they are 9-2. and two. They are soaring. They're going an absolute tear that I've been saying they need to go on. And eight of, you know, win 8 of their 10, win 13 of 15, something like that. They're currently 9 for 11. you love to see that. That's 18 points right there. That is 18 points out of a possible 22. That's a nutty, nutty run right there and something that they needed to go on because this season is well matured now. We're not in the early stages anymore. We are actually at a point where teams are starting to either separate themselves where teams we thought were good are starting to dwindle away, where good teams have bounced back because of you know early, early growing pains of the season. And the crazy thing is, the pa- uh, Patriots. Wow, the Bruins. I do this all the time. I'm sorry. I, I talk about one sport for a while. I transition to another, and then I just kind of think that I'm still talking about that team. Anyways, the Bruins. They have played 37 games, and their current record is 23-12-2. They currently sit with 48 points, and they're second in the wild card, which is crazy to think. 18 points in their last 11 games, and they only have 48 points, and they're second in the wild card. That's a little astonishing to me, in my opinion. But get this. Washington Capitals, who they beat last night, have 53 points. In 41 games. Okay. Granted the the Capitals are in the Metropolitan Division. So let's kind of focus a little bit more on the Atlantic Division. That's what really matters. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Have also played 37 games. Where they've won 24. Lost 10. And they have 3 overtime or shootout losses. They have 51 points. The extra couple points is from 1 win. And an extra overtime loss. The Tampa Bay Lightning are 27, 9, and 5 with 59 points. But they have played 41 games. Now, that is a difference of four games between the Bruins and the Lightning. If the Bruins were to win all four of the games that make up the game's play difference, they would still be three points shy. But that would put them past the Maple Leafs, right? The Florida Panthers are 27, 8, and 5 with 59 points, 
in 40 games played, so still do the math, the, uh, the Bruins would still be down five points. But the funny thing is, the true separator besides games played, but obviously you have to take that into consideration, is the fact that the Panthers and the Lightning both have five overtime losses to the Bruins too, which results in a three-point difference. So if the Bruins were to take three of their regulation losses, lose an overtime with a shootout, they would have three additional points that would tie them with the Maple Leafs, that would put them only two uh, two points back behind the Capitals for the first wildcard spot. And then if you consider the game's play difference and say they could win all that and the points you get from there, that would put you, you bet, first place. First place. It's all about points and doing the math. I know the math really sucks. It's not just wins and losses, win-loss ties. Obviously, easier said than done, clearly. But that's why if you're going to lose, I, I say this all the time, if you're going to lose, at least lose in overtime, right? So you can, you know, skate away with one point. Plus, you'll have the, you know, the chance to at least win in overtime or shootout. But if you lose, at least you walk away with a point. So that's the difference right there. The game's played, plus you're not able to force overtime and lose there if you're going to lose. You have 12 regulation losses, which out of the current playoff teams, that is the most. And that is showing for it. That is currently showing for it. But I really love what the Bruins have been doing. Like I said, they're 9-2 and two in their last 11 games. They beat the Sabres. They beat, uh, they beat the Sabres 4-3. The Red Wings 5-1. The Devils 5-3. They lost the Wild 3-2. They beat the Lightning 5-2. The Capitals on Monday, January 10th, 7-3. The Canadians 5-1. The Flyers 3-2. The Predators, 4-3. They lost to the Hurricanes, 7-1. And then the Capitals, again yesterday, 4-3. They're scoring goals. They are scoring goals, putting the puck in the net, which they need to do, obviously. you got to score in order to win. But the thing that still surprises me is the defense. I just don't think the defense is there. Yes, Tuca is back. Yes, there's going to be some rust. He gave up a ton of goals against the Hurricanes. I get that, but he had a nice showing. When did he play against the Flyers? Was that his first game back? I forget. I think it was the Flyers game. What game was it? Was it the Flyers game? I don't remember. I could be. Let's let's dive in to see who the goalies were. Was that that was Olmark? Um, oh, I hate when it does that. I'm just trying to figure out when Tuka's first game back was. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was against the Flyers on. January was the 13th, right? Yeah, Thursday the 13th. That was Tuca's first game back. He wins that, then he loses against the Hurricanes. He'll probably play tomorrow against the Jets. The Winnipeg Jets, not the New York Jets. I, I know that. I can figure that one out. But the Bruins are able to put you know the puck in the net. Let's see. Four goals, five goals, five goals, two goals, five goals, seven goals, five goals, three goals, four goals, one goal, and four goals. They haven't been shut out. They've only scored one goal once, uh, two goals once. Other than that, minimum of three, a uh, handful of fours, and a bunch of fives. I love what I'm seeing from the offense. Could the offense still kind of get revamped a little bit? Yeah, sure. You can always add pieces to your offense to make it better. But your defense. Defense, defense, defense. Because we saw it last year. They got dinged up big time on defense in the playoffs, and it ultimately resulted in their second-round loss to the Islanders. 
But since January 1st, they've given up three goals, one goal, three goals, three goals, two goals, three goals, excuse me, one goal, two goals, three goals, seven goals, three goals. Which, I mean, I guess if you do the math, it's probably not that bad of an average, but I'd still like it to be a, like a tad under two, like a 1.9, 1.8. That's where I'd like it to be. And is Tuca going to help get you there? Yes, he's going to help get you there. But is he going to be the sole reason to get you there? No, you need defense. It's the five guys on the rink to, that helps reduce the chances of a puck going in. Just because it goes by the goalie doesn't mean it didn't go by the other five guys. When I was a goalie for soccer, right, I played goalie for soccer. Similar philosophy. You got, depending if you're playing like dome or if you're outside, you got 10 guys. Or if you're playing dome, you got five guys. And then the goalie. And it has to go by everybody else before it gets to me or the goalie. So if it goes by me, then it went by you in the same breath. It's a team sport. I can't score my own goals. I'm the goalie. So you got to do it for me. You know, I can stop the ball. But in order for me to stop the ball, it has to get by you. So if it doesn't get by you, then it's not going to get by me. What is that noise? I, I swear, Nextdoor does the oddest, most peculiar things when I'm recording. Whether it's a video or a podcast, they make the weirdest damn noises. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I never will. But whatever, I digress. What I'm seeing from the Bruins as we approach the All-Star break and the trade deadline is absolutely awesome. They needed to go on this massive winning streak. Because imagine if they didn't. Imagine if they didn't. Right now, there's seven points separated between them and the Detroit Red Wings. Seven points. What are we doing next door? Oh my goodness. Stop dropping things. Imagine they lost a couple games, and then that difference is, say, four points. Now you're three points further away from the Capitals for the first wildcard spot. You're three points further from the Maple Leafs, the Lightning, and the Panthers in the Atlantic Division. It's just this winning streak had to have happened, and you're still kind of muddling right where you are. Yes, you're creating separation between you and the Red Wings, and the Flyers? No, the Flyers are in. Flyers are in the Metropolitan, excuse me. But you're still creating separation between you and the Red Wings, who are really the only other team in the division that's causing any relevance. You know, Sabres, the Senators, and the, Ex uh, the Expos. Wow. <laughs> the Canadians aren't doing squat. So you going on this insane 18 point run. You know, you're 9 for 11, and you've cre created separation, but you're still where you are because the other teams as well are playing so well. The other teams are also playing good. Their last 10 games, the Panthers are 8-1-1. One, one. The Lightning are 6-3-1. The Maple Leafs are 6-3-1 as well. Last 10, the Capitals are 4-4-2, four, four, and, and you're 8-2. You needed to go on this run in order to keep up with these good teams because good teams go on runs. They go on long runs where they get points and they scrape points. Even if they lose, they're able to lose in overtime or in shootout to at least scrape a point and to stay ahead of the curve. Hence why the five overtime losses the Panthers and the Lightning have, plus the extra games played they played, 
where you only have two overtime losses and you've played a few less games is ultimately making up the difference right now in the standings, if I'm being quite honest. I mean, look look at the standings. I, I, I read it to you, but if you want to look at it, NHL.com slash standing slash 2021 wildcard. It shows it right there. You just got to do the math. If the Bruins had as many overtime losses as the Lightning and the Panthers had, and they played as many games as them, they would be in first place. Now, are the Bruins a first place team? They have the talent. They have the potential. But I don't think they're there just yet. They need to make a move or two to bring in a good, legitimate defender and maybe a little bit of depth for your forward lines. And I think they're going to be good. I really think they're going to be good at that point. So I love where the Bruins are at right now. I love what they've been doing right now. And it's really, really exciting to watch because other than the Bruins, we got nothing going on right now. Patriots just got eliminated. The Red Sox are still currently in a lockout, which I haven't heard nothing of. And you guys know I'm not talking about the Celtics. So that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed episode number 123, one, two, three of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I appreciate everybody for downloading, listening, and joining on all audio platforms. And I appreciate everyone for clicking on this video for those who watch the episode on YouTube. Reach out to me via social media with any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to chat about, debate, or even have a discussion about. And you can also leave all that down in the comment section below on YouTube if that is where you're listening. I really appreciate everyone for downloading, listening, and enjoying, and clicking on the video. If you are watching this on YouTube, please make sure you smash the thumbs up button if you did, if you did indeed enjoy today's episode. Please subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing. I will catch you guys in the next one. Enjoy your weekend. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you.